comfort I can give him, she tells the girl, who sits mute and huge-eyed by his side. You must go now, child. You may come back in the morning. The thin young wife gazes back at her, wordless and imploring. The lady replies to that gaze, as if to a spoken plea. I know you wish to stay with him, child, but the rule is that there are to be no females in the wards at night, and if we do not obey, the army may send us back to the kitchen, or even worse, back to England. Her soft voice never rises, and her face, although thin, shows no weariness, resentment, or frustration. It remains angelically serene, even as she says, If that happens, then there will be no nursing for the unfortunates, not even in the daytime. So we must go. Do you understand? And assuming that the girl can hear her, perhaps she thinks the child does understand. Although the younger woman fails to move, there is no defiance in her eyes, only wretched exhaustion. Come. Placing the dying man's feet gently back on the floor, the lady takes her lamp and rises. Come, I will walk with you and light your way. She offers the girl her hand, and after a moment, the young bride reaches up to accept that warm grip. The older woman helps her to her feet. For a moment, the two of them stand hand in hand over the, one might as well call it a body. The girl's thin lips move three times before, with an odd, plangent abruptness, she speaks. Ace my husband, she states helplessly and unnecessarily. I know, dear, but you still cannot. He's a good man, the girl goes on without seeming to hear. His name is Tupper, Thomas Tupper. Somebody besides me ought to remember. Yes, of course they should, soothes the lady with the lamp. Those who survive scootery will make famous the comfort of her quiet voice. Come along now, Mrs. Thomas Tupper. Chapter the First Miss Meshall, said Mrs. Tupper as she took my empty plate away, if you have time to sit and talk a while. Before my elderly deaf-as-a-dumpling landlady finished the sentence, she had my fullest attention, because she spoke softly instead of shouting as she usually did, but mostly because, due to her deafness, any attempt at conversation was most unusual. Indeed, her request to talk was unprecedented. Generally, after one of her frugal suppers, tonight spring onions being season, it had been fish and onion soup with bread pudding, I would give her a nod of thanks and retreat behind the closed door of my room, where I could rid myself of the poofs, baubles and underpinnings of Miss Meshall, sit in my overstuffed armchair with my feet upon a hassock, and be comfortable. I could use a bit of advice. Mrs. Tupper continued as she took the white crockery soup tureen and placed it on the stove as if it were a pot, then scraped leftover bread pudding into the slop pail rather than into the cat's dish. Greatly wondering what ailed her, I nodded and gestured, signalling my willingness to listen. Let's go sit down, Mrs. Tupper said. I was, of course, already sitting at the table, but we moved to the shabby parlour suite at the other end of Mrs. Tupper's single room. Her house, although clean, was little more than a hovel, and there, as I took a chair, Mrs. Tupper hunched on the edge of the horsehair sofa, fixing me with her watery grey gaze. 
It ain't none of my business, but I've noticed there's more to you than meets the eye, she said as if she felt it necessary to explain why she would confide in such a youngster. You ain't just a working girl like you seems to be, not when you can pass as a street beggar or yet a lady to the manor born, and when you took such pains going out as a nun... I made no attempt to hide my shock. She was not supposed to know this. If word were to reach my brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock, enabling them to locate my place of lodging in London's East End, my freedom would be greatly endangered. But Mrs. Tupper seemed not to notice my consternation. In the dark of night, trying to help them as he's cold and hungry, she went on, and where you get the means, dear only knows peering up at me, for she had never been tall and a dowager's hump had shortened her yet more, she added, You're a good person, Miss Meshaw, or whatever your real name may be.